Glory to God. Well, today I've got a real treat for you. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that um, uh, I, I rank, I will rank our guest speaker right up there. You're going to enjoy him just as much as you would T.D. Jakes or Tony Evans or any of the greats of the greats. I first got exposed to him around 95, 96, 97 when he first started doing camp meetings in Virginia in an open-air tabernacle in the middle of the summer when it was 100 degrees and 2,000 people would show up. And Brother Bill would preach every night and the power of God would fall. And I remember as a young minister thinking, wow, what a man of God. And uh, we've been friends ever since. He's preached for us several times in Georgia. And I, I am just delighted that him and his lovely wife, Miss Sheila, are here with us. I want you to welcome a wonderful, wonderful preaching preacher of preachers, Brother Bill Lee. Come on up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Can we put our hands together? Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands all over this house? Father, we love you this day. Thank you for this privilege, this opportunity to be in your house on this, your Lord's day. We thank you, Father, that we have come into your presence We've come with expectation. We've come to hear a word from you, Father. We've come to adore your name. And we thank you that where two or three are gathered in your name, you have promised to be in our midst. And we know that where you are, that all things are possible. So today, Father, speak to our hearts. Let your word fall today on good ground, that it would bring forth fruit in its season. We thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us and in this ministry during this next season, we anticipate it and we're believing you to do awesome things. Now have your way, Father, anoint your servant that I would share your word with power and let your name be glorified in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Before you take your seat, why don't you encourage the person next to you and turn to him, tell him, neighbor, you look slimmer and younger since the last time I saw you. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may have just made somebody's day. Amen. Praise the Lord. You don't know what somebody is going through. This, today I, I was uh, in Florida not too long ago, and um, I pulled into a Dunkin' Donuts, you know, and I ordered my sandwich and my coffee, and I got down the road and looked at my receipt. And uh, I recognized that they gave me a senior's discount, you know. <laughs> and I didn't even ask for it, so you know, um, you never know what somebody's going through. Amen. So, bless the Lord. Thank you for encouraging. Amen. One another. It's a joy and a blessing uh, to be with you today. Thank God for you coming out to the house of God on a Sunday afternoon to worship the king, and to glorify his name. Isn't it good to be in his house one more time? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I just so appreciate and, uh, the pastor of this wonderful ministry and his lovely wife. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Amen for Howard and Holly. Amen. Praise God. 
And I do appreciate how you are working uh, with them uh, during this difficult time. Uh, as a pastor during this season, just the fact that you were here on a Sunday afternoon with all of the different adjustments that have to be made, amen, is so uh, appreciative uh, to come and to see you working with him. It is very, very difficult pastoring a church through this time in which we're living. Uh, there is not a handbook out about how to pastor during a pandemic. And uh, so we thank God for you and thank you for the uh, way you are working with them. I was talking with one pastor as he was going through this time with his church and uh, he had told me that it, within the last hour, he had gotten four different phone calls. You know? And the first phone call said, Pastor, we need to walk in faith and open up the church. You know? And then a few minutes later, somebody else said, Pastor, we need to be safe and keep the church closed. You know? And somebody else said, if you open it up, are you having service? And you're having service, I'm not wearing a mask. And if anybody tells me to, I'm not coming back. And the next call said, Pastor, we need to make sure that we have on mass to make sure that we're safe, you know. So we have all of these things going on during this time, and it's a very, very difficult time. We have to make life and death decisions, actually. So I believe and I uh, hope that you're praying for your pastor and praying for the man of God, amen, during this season as you do what God has called you to do for the kingdom of God. And we're praying for you, uh, Bishop and uh, First Lady, we just love you and we're praying for you that God's uh, blessings will be upon you. Amen. Can we also put our hands together and welcome my lovely wife Sheila uh, with us today as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Word of God if you have your Bibles. Then look at a very familiar portion of Scripture, the Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 5. St. Luke chapter 5, I believe that this is uh, first time being back for a while into the house of God, and I believe that God is launching the church into the next phase. How many of you believe that God has something awesome in store for his people? Amen. Why don't you turn to somebody and tell them you ain't seen nothing yet? Amen. Hallelujah. And God is relaunching us today, and that is what I'm going to be sharing. St. Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Again, a very familiar story. It reads, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. If you don't mind, you can, you can go ahead and stand. I, I apologize. I see some of you are standing, and I don't know if it's your custom or not. I'll, I'll begin reading again. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord, for he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. We'll focus our attention on verse number four. It reads again, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. I want to use for a title this afternoon and speak to you on the subject, failure to launch. Failure to launch or for a subtitle, positioning for a relaunch. God bless you as you are seated in the presence of the Lord. In 2006, Paramount Pictures released a movie starring Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker entitled Failure to Launch. Now this movie, it focused upon a man who was approaching his 40s, but he refused to leave the comfortable nest of his parents' home. Well, in a desperate attempt to get him out on his own, his frustrated parents hired an extremely attractive girl of his dreams to give him the needed push to perhaps make a commitment and to finally launch out on his own. Of course, in the end, the hired girlfriend ended up falling in love. There were hurt feelings, a mass of confusion, and finally love prevailed and they ended up living happily ever after. Now the storyline of this romantic comedy had proved to be quite entertaining and even funny at times. But as funny and fictitious as it was, it is sad to say that its title speaks to the lives of many believers who are failing to launch out and be everything that God has called us to be. There seems to be believers who appears to be satisfied with standing on the shores of their destiny, watching the big ships sail the places that they themselves ought to be sailing. There are so-called believers who are content with wading in the waters of mediocrity, unwilling and uninterested in launching out into the deep waters of excellence. There are so-called people of faith whose lack of faith has limited them to standing on the docks and the launching pads of life, never moving forward and venturing into the deep waters of abundant living. And they sit in our churches, they're filling our pews, and they are saved, sour, and satisfied. <laughs> they fail to launch out, never having a vision of something better. Never moving forward and strategizing, amen, to go further than where they are. And all while missing out on the deep level of blessings that God has in store for them. So they sit in a state of mental, spiritual, and, and, and uh, emotional paralysis. All while God is constantly tugging at their heart and even urging at them to position themselves for a relaunch. Now, one of the difficult things about engaging in a relaunch, 
is that when we decide to engage in a relaunch, it also requires that we gain the courage to start over again. And whether we want to admit it or not, starting over again is never an easy prospect. You see, when we decide to start over again, it is there that we find ourselves wrestling with the ghost of past failures, along with this good friend's fear and embarrassment. It is there that we find ourselves being intimidated by the prospect of trying again, only to possibly fail again. Stepping out, only to be let down and disappointed. So rather than trying again, many of us would rather keep away from that possibility so we park ourselves in the safe house that resides on the corner of Do Nothing Avenue and Paralysis Drive. Uh-huh. You see, because when we're in that safe house, we don't have to deal with the threat of trying again to possibly fail again. We don't have to deal with having to rehearse our pain of past failures. We don't have to deal with the prospect of connecting with somebody only to have that person disappoint us one more time. But what we've got to understand is although we would love to play it safe, that the God that we serve will never allow us to do that. Because God, has placed too much in us for us to simply live ordinary lives. Oh my God, turn to somebody and tell them you're more than an ordinary person. That's right, you're more than an ordinary person. God has placed anointing on the inside of you. God has placed his gifts on the inside of you. He has placed his purpose on the inside of you. You are not a mistake. You're not an accident. Glory to God. But God has poured anointing on the inside of us. So when we decide that we're going to play it safe, what God will do is God will begin to deal with us. God will send a word to us. God will even wake us up in the middle of the night until we decide that enough is enough. I am going to launch out one more time. Somebody lift your hands and hear and shout praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that would be the divine will of the master. As we come to our chosen text here in the gospel according to St. Luke, we find Jesus is now at the beginning of his public ministry. And he finds himself, the Bible says, preaching the word of God by the shores of Lake Gennesaret. Now the impact of his ministry is already seen. As the Bible says, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So after this dynamic crusade, he then turns to a group of fishermen who found themselves surrounded by all of the ingredients that normally result in a failure to launch. According to the word, they had been out fishing all night, and the Bible says they caught nothing. Now Jesus he would turn and interact with them. And eventually he would order them to launch out into the deep. I want us to take a look at our text this morning, this afternoon, pardon. And I want to share with you a few things that I believe are necessary and present in our text that will help us to avoid a failure to launch as well as position us for a relaunch. The first thing that I want to point out that we must do, number one, is we must restore our passion. Can somebody say the word passion? Passion. 
Passion is a very, very powerful word and a very, very powerful thing. As a matter of fact, let me say this. It is actually that invisible force that will oftentimes determine our success and our failure in anything in life. As a matter of fact, a person that has a passion for what they do. That individual can oftentimes overcome handicaps, disabilities, a lack of opportunity, and even a lack of talent. And watch this, they can actually outperform somebody else who may have more ability, who may have more education, who may have more talent, who may even have more uh, doors open for them, but does not have the passion that that other person has. As a matter of fact, if you are here and you are seeking the will of God in your life, one of the questions that you can ask yourself is, what am I passionate about? Turn to somebody and ask them, what are you passionate about? In other words, what is that thing that burns down in your belly? What is that area of injustice that really, really makes you angry? What is that thing that you simply must function in and cannot live without doing? What is that thing, watch this, that you would do even if you weren't getting paid for it? What are you passionate about? Glory to God. Because I believe that in these last days that God is looking to use some people that are passionate. I'm not talking about the kind of people that you have to pump and prime and wave pom-poms in order to get them to do something. But I'm talking about somebody that has a burning down in their sanctified soul that no matter what else happens, I'm going to do what God has given me a passion to do. Good God have mercy. Hallelujah. Talk about me, but I got passion and I will not quit. Criticize me, but I got passion down in my soul and it will not stop me. I got a burning in my sanctified soul to do what God has called me to do. Passion. And when we come to our text here, we are literally confronted by a group of men who had lost their passion. Look at verses 1 and 2. It reads, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, these fishermen who had been out fishing all night long had become so frustrated by their lack of success that they had literally gotten up and walked out of their place of purpose. Hmm. You see, at the moment, they were fishermen. And they were supposed to be on the ship doing what fishermen do. But they had become so discouraged they have become so depressed. They have become so frustrated by their lack of success that the Bible says they had gotten up and left their ship. They had walked out of their place of purpose. And understand something. That whenever you take something or someone out of their place of purpose, you can be guaranteed that death and decline is going to take place. Can I show you what I'm talking about? 
Take a plant out of the ground, its place of purpose. It may sit on the mantle and look cute for a few days, but eventually it is going to shrivel up and it is going to die. Take a bird out of the sky, its place of purpose. It may creep around on the ground for a few days, but eventually a predator is going to get a hold of it and it is going to die. Take a fish out of the water. It may flap around on the shore for a few minutes, but eventually its gills are going to dry up and it is going to die. Take a man or a woman out of God. Our place of purpose, my God. We may make a few dollars, we may make some friends and even build a few things, but eventually we are going to die. Because whenever you take something or someone out of their place of purpose, decline or death is going to come, my God. You say, preacher, why are you saying that? The reason why I'm saying that is because there are some of you under the sound of my voice and even listening amen, on the internet, amen, where you were once functioning in your place of purpose. You were prospering. God was blessing you. You were doing what God had designed you to do. But somebody uh, offended you. Somebody calls you to decide to throw up your hands and walk away and you have left your place of purpose. And what you did not realize is that the enemy wanted to move you out of your place of purpose so he could stop the blessings of God from flowing in your life and cause decline and death to come. But I declare in the name of Jesus that somebody is about to rise up in the name of Jesus and tell the devil enough is enough. I'm getting back in my place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and tell them, get back in your place. That's right, get back in your place. Glory to God, enough is enough. Get back in your place. You've been depressed long enough. Get back in your place. You've been the DJ at your own pity party long enough. Get back in your place. God wants to bless you. He wants to open the windows of heaven. He wants to anoint you. But you got to get back in your place. there's a miracle for you but you gotta get in your place there's healing for you but you gotta get in your place there's provision for you but you gotta get in your place it's time to get back in your place hallelujah somebody lift those hands in here and receive it right now hallelujah glory to God hallelujah But watch this, because the Bible did not just say that they had left their place of purpose. But if you look at the scripture, it also says that they were washing their nets. The washing of the nets. It was actually the final act that the fishermen would engage in that symbolizes that their day was over. So basically when Jesus showed up, these fishermen had given up. They had thrown in the towel. They had mailed it in. They were waving the white flag. The opera lights had now dimmed and the fat lady was on center stage. 
and was now in the final chorus of her song. It was over. You know something, Bishop? There are people all over society and all over our churches, all throughout the country and around the world, who are showing up, smiling, saying all the right things, but behind the scenes, they're washing their nets. Going through the motions, waving their hands, clapping their hands, smiling, doing everything that they could do, but if you were to get beyond the veil, they're washing their nets. Singing in the choir, on the greeting team, ushering, working on the media team, but they're washing their nets. Getting up in the morning, getting dressed, going downstairs, having breakfast with the kids, giving courtesy kisses on the way out the door, going to the job, punching them the clock from nine to five, but the family has no idea. But daddy is washing his nets. Getting up in the morning before everybody else, ironing the clothes, cooking the meals, going downstairs, having breakfast ready for everybody, doing laundry, driving to the job, dropping the kids off on the way, working the job, coming home, smiling and acting like everything is great, but the family has no clue. But mother is washing her nets. Preparing lessons, tutoring students, going to the school, engaging in after-school programs and PTA meetings, but the principal has no idea but that educator is washing their nets. Casting vision for the company, training, attending training, going to seminars, flying across the country, handling the finances, but the CEO has no clue, but that regional manager, that employee, they're washing their nets, preaching sermons, leading in worship, laying hands on sick people, running from hospital to hospital, counseling people, preaching funerals, and the congregation has no clue, but the man of God, the staff member, they are washing their nets. We have a lot of people in the church going through all of the motions, saying all of the right things, but behind the scenes, they're washing their nets. As a matter of fact, we have a lot of folk in the church who are kind of like Sarah in the Old Testament. Y'all remember Sarah, right? how God had given Abraham a promise that he was going to have a son through her. And the Bible says that God waited until Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. And Hebrews said that Abraham's body was dead. Sarah's womb was shut. 
And one day, old Abraham is having prayer meeting, you know, and Sarah's kind of eavesdropping. She's listening in. You know, she's got the phone up on the other end. Listen. <laughs> and she overhears God repeat the promise to Abraham that he was going to have a son through her at 90. And do y'all remember what Sarah did? Yeah. She laughed. <laughs> now listen. It wasn't the kind of laugh like when you hear a good joke. No. It was kind of like a sarcastic kind of laugh. Kind of like, yeah, right, kind of laugh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But you know something? What happened to Sarah is what has happened to some of us under the sound of my voice right now. Sarah had been in the waiting room for so long that the devil convinced her that because it did not happen yet, that it was not going to happen. My God have mercy. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this house, but maybe God gave you a promise a long time ago. He confirmed it over and over again, and you've been in the waiting room, and the devil's trying to tell you that because it has not happened yet, oh, that it's not going to happen. I come out and tell you the devil is a liar this morning. Glory to God. If God said it is going to happen, it is going to happen. Glory to God. Somebody shout, it's going to happen. That's right. I may be in the waiting room, but it's going to happen. I may have to call another prayer meeting, but it's going to happen. I may have to quote another scripture, but glory to God. The promises of God are yea and amen. It is going to happen. <laughs> Woo. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house. Somebody give God a praise for your miracle. It is going to happen. Oh, yes. That child is going to get saved just like God told you it's going to happen. That daughter is going to come back in just like God said. Hallelujah. If he said it, it's going to come to pass going to happen but, but, but hold up but hold, hold up hold up because the Bible didn't just say that she laughed but it said she laughed within herself hmm. so it was an inner laugh a secret laugh nobody heard it Matter of fact, old brother Abraham thought she was still with the program, you know. <laughs> He'd walk into the room, you know, say, you know, we're going to have that baby. She said, yes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> He'd walk out. She'd go, yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody heard her laugh. She was going through all the motions. Getting the little room in the corner ready, you know, getting the room painted with blue and, you know, shopping at Babies or Us, you know. <laughs> Talking about having children. Had the scriptures up on the wall, you know, had all the pins from TBN and all the different Bibles, you know. Talking all the church language, you know how we praise the Lord, I'm blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah, glory to God. But deep down on the inside. It was an inner laugh. 
Sarah had fallen asleep on the inside and nobody even knew it. My God, the twinkle had left her eye. The joy was no longer in her spirit. The song had departed. And she was just living and breathing and going through the motions. And nobody even knew it. Can you see Sarah? My God, acting like everything was great. But deep down inside, she was believing that it would happen for everybody else, but would not happen for her. The devil told her that it was too late. The devil told her that it was over. She was washing her nets. My God, she had fallen asleep on the inside and had an inner laugh. Nobody heard it. Abraham didn't hear her laughing. Her girls that she hung out with, they didn't hear her laughing. Her servants at the house, they did not hear her laughing. But can I tell you who heard her laughing? <laughs> Glory to God. God heard her laughing. Hallelujah. And he leaned over the portals of heaven and said, you go ahead and laugh, old lady, but the last laugh is going to be on you. Hallelujah. The next time I hear about Sarah laughing, she is holding the baby Isaac in her arms saying, the Lord has made me to laugh. Glory to God. I believe that somebody in this house, amen, you came in the door washing your nets, but I believe that by the time you walk out of here today you're going to be holding your promise in your arms and saying the Lord has made me to laugh I got my passion back weeping has endured for the night but joy is coming the morning hallelujah I've got my passion back Oh, my God, I don't know who I'm talking to in this place, but God's about to break the chains of depression and break up the clouds of discouragement that have been hanging over you these last few months. Glory to God. I come by to tell you, get ready. You're going to laugh again. Hallelujah. You're going to dance again. You're going to praise again. Your passion is about to be relit. Oh, come on and lift those hands and receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We break the spirit of discouragement and depression all over this house. In the name of Jesus, I silence every voice of suicide. In the name of Jesus, I speak life right now. We shall live and not die in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in here. Come on, just take a minute and honor his presence right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we must restore our passion. But let me move on. Because not only must we restore our passion, but number two, we must rebuke the spirit of failure. Can I ask y'all a question this morning? Afternoon, pardon. I know all of you are anointed, appointed. Got a double dose of the Holy Ghost. Super saints. Faster than a speeding deacon. More, more powerful than a missionary. Able to leap tall demons in a single bout. I, I, know, I know it, guys, but... Can I ask y'all a question? Anybody in here ever fail? Anybody? Okay. 
a few of y'all didn't raise your hand, so. So for you who haven't raised your hand, I figure, you know, either you were just born yesterday or you're just sitting up here in church on a Sunday afternoon having a strained relationship with the truth. I, I, I won't call you a liar. I'll just say you're having a strained. Because <laughs> I don't care how blessed you are how anointed you are, and how successful you are, all of us have and probably will fail. And I believe that in the church we need to get more comfortable talking about and dealing with our failures. Because I think in the church for too long we have given people the impression that if they get anointed enough, close enough to God, and have enough faith that it will exempt them from going through failure. But that's not scripture. I don't care how anointed you are, how much power you have. You can name it and claim it, grab it and have it, mark it and park it, declare it and wear it. And still fail. We need to get more comfortable and stop walking around acting like we never failed, you know. Praise God, I'm the most successful businessman, you know. The Lord leads me and all of my investments have been perfect and I never lost a dime. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at me and my career. Amen. I've just been, well, just been stellar. The Lord has been good. I've been the perfect student. Praise God. I've got a 4.5 GPA and never failed an exam. All my teachers like me. Praise God. Look at my perfect family. You know, we're the Brady's and the Huxtables, you know. We never have an argument and everything. Come on now. <laughs> we might as well get real. Turn to somebody, tell them, let's get real. Because <laughs> we all fail. As a matter of fact, somebody has said this. Somebody has said the difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and their response to failure. Achieving people realize that failing does not make you a failure. Uh, turn to somebody and tell them, I may have failed, but I'm not a failure. Hallelujah. Oliver Goldsmith has said that success consists of getting up one more time than you fall. Somebody else said that a big shot is just a little shot that kept on shooting. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So we all fail, right? But here's what I do want you to be careful of. Although we all fail, be careful that we do not take on the spirit of failure. And there is a difference. You say, what's the difference, preacher? The difference is, is that although we all fail, we do not take on the spirit of failure until we decide that because we fail, we're simply going to throw up, throw up our arms or fold our arms and simply never try again the spirit of failure. And when we come to our text here, we find the disciples are literally surrounded by the spirit of failure. You say, how do you know, preacher? 
the reason why I know is because of the way they respond when Jesus challenges them. The Bible says in verse number four that Jesus walks up to them and he says, hey, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And what does Simon say? He says, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. That's the King James Version, right? Let me give you the loose Lee version. Okay. Jesus comes up and says, hey, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, right? And Simon turns and says, look, man. You just got here. <laughs> We've been out here all night long. And now you got the nerve to roll up in here talking about launching out into the deep. <laughs> Has anybody in here ever toiled in something so long that you got so frustrated? that you didn't even want to hear anybody try to encourage you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you got to a point where you didn't want to hear another church cliche. You didn't want to hear another scripture. Can I, can I just be real? Uh -huh. And you most certainly didn't want to hear from the parking lot prophet with another word from the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, they already prophesied to you five times, and only two of those came to pass, so you're trying to figure out whether they're prophesying or prophelying. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you're in the midst of this thing that you're going through, and you're discouraged, and you see their number come up on the line. You're like, uh-uh. I better not answer this today, because if I do, you, you, I'm sorry, y'all can't relate to this, because you guys are more spiritual than me, but that's where Simon is. He's like, look, Jesus, we've been out here all night, and we ain't caught nothing. Now, you got the nerve to roll up in here talking about launching out. And besides, you're a carpenter, <laughs> and I'm a fisherman. And based upon your instruction, it is obvious that you don't know what you're talking about. First of all, Jesus, it's too late. I got any fishermen in the house right now? All right, well, one of the reasons why I'm not a fisherman is because I understand that in order to be good at it, you got to get up real early in the morning, right? So when Jesus shows up, the sun has already come up. It is too late. And, and, and Peter is saying, look, Jesus, it's too late. But how many of y'all know that when Jesus shows up, it is never too late? Hallelujah. Glory to God. The old song said he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Hallelujah. He's an all-time God. Yes, he is. He said, besides, you're telling me to launch out into the deep, Jesus. And everybody knows a good fisher in the medium to shallow water. But what Peter didn't realize is that Jesus is now calling him to catch big fish. And big fish can only be in deep waters. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And there he is surrounded by the spirit of failure. He is saying, I don't even want to try again. But glory to God, all of a sudden, his faith kicked in. And this is what he said. He said, nevertheless. Somebody shout, nevertheless. 
at thy word I will launch out into the deep hallelujah I don't understand how you're going to do it when you're going to do it but because you told me I'm going to try one more time hallelujah I don't know who I'm talking to today but I come out and tell you try it again Oh, you may have failed in the past, but try it again. Try it a different way, but try it again. If God has given you the vision and God has given you the plan, try one more time. Hallelujah. Which brings me to my final point. Because not only must we rebuke the spirit of failure, not only must we restore our passion, but thirdly and lastly, we must raise our level of expectation. Hallelujah. How many of you are expecting God to do something amazing in your life? Hallelujah. Would you turn to somebody real quick and tell them I'm expecting? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm sorry if you're sitting next to your husband or wife. I'm, I'm talking, talking spiritually, okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Brother over there just passed out there. Somebody, can I get the, the nursing ministry over to the brother? Right. <laughs> We're expecting. We're expecting God, even in the midst of these troubled times, to do something that is about to blow our minds. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can, can I tell the church something? I believe that God is tired of us praying these little puny prayers. You hear me? I believe that God is tired of us asking him to do stuff that we can do ourselves. But I believe that God wants to hear his people recognize that he is a big God and start asking him for big crazy things. Are y'all hearing me? Glory to God. I believe that he wants to open the windows of heaven and pour us out blessings that we won't even have room enough to receive. My God, I believe he wants us to cast a vision that is so big that if he doesn't get involved in it, it is not going to happen. Let's start expecting our God to do some amazing things. And what we have in our text is actually an example of God blessing somebody beyond their level of expectation. Let me show y'all. They've been out fishing. Jesus comes up to challenge them. In verse number four, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets Plural for a draught. Y'all see that? Peter's got an attitude. said, look, I've been out here all night, haven't caught, it, caught anything. His faith comes, nevertheless. But his faith did not kick in at the level that Jesus wanted it. Because what did he say? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Jesus had a plural net blessing for Peter. 
But Peter only has singular net faith. Good God, have mercy. Oh, my God. I don't know who I'm talking to in this house right now, but I come by to tell you that for what God is about to do and the next season of your life, you're going to need some more nets. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Touch somebody and tell them, let's get some more nets. Oh, let's get some more nets because he's about to bless you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah. He's about to give you a harvest that's going to blow your mind. Now is not the time to back up. Now is not the time to back in. No, glory to God. Let's get some more nets. here they are with his singular net faith he took that one net and threw it in the water and they're standing there waiting to see what was going to happen and you know bishop when I looked at this and I looked at the end of the story I thought to myself how was it that Jesus was able to get all those fish in that net when these brothers had been out there all night and hadn't caught anything. And while I thought about that, my imagination started running. And I went back to a time in my life when I used to watch cartoons. Anybody in here used to watch cartoons, anybody? Anybody still watch cartoons? Okay. <laughs> But I don't know uh, uh, how, how, how old you are, Dallas, but I, I grew up in the pre-cable era. Okay. Any, anybody here know what I'm talking about? Before we had all these wires and satellites and stuff, and we had that little TV with the rabbit ears. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody remember when the rabbit ears used to break? You'd go get a hanger or some aluminum foil and, and, and put it in, in there? This was before the remote. As a matter of fact, yeah, uh -huh. we were the remote. You know what I'm talking about? You'd be out playing, and you'd hear your dad, son, get in here. He'd run five miles, get in there, walk in the living room, and he's sitting there on the couch. Say, yes, sir. So go over there and turn to channel three. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And remember when that little turn, that little knob used to break? So you get the pliers and put it beside the TV so you can turn. Okay, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but back then, the cartoons used to come on on Saturday. Didn't have a cartoon network. So we would get up early on Saturday. And one of the cartoons that used to come on that reminded me of what might have happened here was that cartoon called The Super Friends. Anybody remember The Super Friends with Batman and Robin and Wonder Woman and all the different ones? Well, there was a character on there by the name of Aquaman. And Aquaman possessed the ability to communicate with anything that was in the water. 
As a matter of fact, whenever he needed anything, if he needed well, he would send a telepathic message to them and they would come and do whatever he needed them to do. When he needed shark, he would send out a message and they would come, you know, and do whatever was necessary. Amen. So I believe, amen, that the man standing on that boat, hallelujah, on that day that had told them to cast their net into the water, he was greater than Aquaman. Hallelujah. Not only is he the king of the water, but he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. So let me tell you what I believe happened. I believe that when that net hit the water, he started sending out messages to all of the fish in the area, glory to God, and started calling them by their name. Hallelujah. He said, Porgy, Whiting, Catfish, Salmon, Bluefish, Blue Heron, Halibut, Blowfish, Tilapia, Grouper, Goldfish, swordfish, tuna fish, every other fish, this is your master calling you, and I command you to jump into that net. Hallelujah. I command to tell the church, get ready, because God is speaking to the fish all over Cincinnati. Hallelujah. He is letting them know that there is a net. There is a net that I've established. Blackfish, whitefish, yellowfish, redfish, every fish. I'm commanding you to jump in to that net if they had multi-net faith they would have had a multi-net miracle but because they only had singular net faith the Bible says their net began to break but I like Peter because the Bible says there were some other little ships and he said hey Come on over here. Look what God is doing. And the Bible says those other ships came and they filled up their boats and they too began to sink. Let's raise our level of expectation because I believe that God wants to do something awesome in our midst. Stand with me all over the house. So let me show you the relaunch. Peter realizes who Jesus is. He realizes he is standing in the presence of the Messiah. And the first thing he recognizes is his own sinful condition. And he says, depart from me. I'm not worthy. I'm undone. But what did Jesus do? Jesus turned and said, no, Peter. I like you. When I blessed you, you wanted to be a blessing to other ships. So you're the kind of man that I can use on my team. He says, so instead of rejecting you, Peter, I'm going to relaunch you. I'm going to redefine you. I'm going to recreate your destiny, Peter. He said, listen, if it wasn't for today, you would have gone down in history as just another fisherman. He said, but because of this day, he said, I'm going to change your very destiny. So from this day forward, Peter, you're no longer going to be just a fisherman, but you're going to be a fisher of men. And Peter would be relaunched to go down in history as not just a fisherman, but he would go down as one of the greatest apostles to ever grace the church. I come by to tell somebody, get ready.
God's about to relaunch you. You may have experienced a failure to launch in the days gone by. And I know the enemy has even told some of you that your best days are behind you. But I come by to tell you the devil is a liar. God is about to relaunch you to the next season. Lift your hands all over the house. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word. Thank you for your people in, in this house and your people gathered around their computers, cell phones, iPads, whatever it may be. We have an appointment with your voice today. Father, I ask you to move all over this house and cause your sons and daughters to relaunch this morning this afternoon, pardon. Father, for my brother and sister who needs their passion back, they've left their place of purpose for whatever reason. Perhaps they were wounded. Perhaps they were offended. Perhaps things didn't quite go like they expected. And I release your healing power to every area of their life right now. As we return to our place, we realize that you have a next level anointing for them. So release it upon them right now. For my brother or sister who's been washing their nets, discouraged, depressed, even suicidal, I break the power and the spirit of heaviness right now. For the spirit of heaviness, we put on the garment of praise. You are the lifter of our head right now, God. Put the twinkle back in their eye. Put the joy back in their spirit, Father. Do it today, God. Restore that passion, relight that fire. Even right now, Father, somebody has failed in the days past and the enemy has been taunting them, daring them to try again. I pray for courage right now. Give them the courage to try one more time. For you've not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do it today, Father. And now, God, we're expecting Expecting you to move in a great way. Expecting multi-net miracles. Multi-net miracles for this house, for your people. Provide according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do it today, Father. Speak to the fish in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for a new day. Thank you for a relaunch. We receive it right now. Now lift your hands and just begin to praise him for it right now. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. That's right, receive it right now. In the name of Jesus, right where you are, just receive it right now. I release joy right now. In the name of Jesus, I release the peace of God right now. I release energy from heaven right now. I release your sons and daughters into a new day. Do it today, Father. In the name of Jesus, I speak life, life to visions, life to dreams. Do it today, Father. In the name of Jesus, I declare a relaunch right now. Every marriage, every home, every uh, every career.